that the most exciting thing in your week is church now. <laughs> I mean, when people are like, when you tell people at work tomorrow, like, what'd you do, man? You look like you've been through it this weekend. Like, you look like you party. You look like you turned up. You like, went to church at 10, 10 a.m. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Well, listen, I just want to jump in because I've got so much from the heart of God that I feel that I need to transmit to you. And we want to remove all distractions. We want to lean in today. Because listen, my words can't do much for you. But if I can tell you what your heavenly father has to say to you and you can lean in and really receive it, I'm I can guarantee you this. You will walk out of here free. You will walk out different. It happens every single week. And you are no exception to what God can do. And so is anyone here ready to just lean in and get it from God? Just say, God, do what you got to do. Okay. And so we're going to jump in right now. Uh, let's just kind of recap last week. Our podcast downloads were four times greater last week than they usually are. Isn't that incredible? Four times greater. Now, it may have been because we said the word sex repeatedly and Fifty Shades of Grey is coming out or something. I don't know. That's actually why we're in this smaller theater right now because the world has given such a silver screen depiction of what love is and God's got another movie theater filling up so he can just actually tell us what love really is. Can I get an amen to that? All the safe people clap, the unsafe people are like, I don't know, sex is good too, you know what I'm saying? So write this down for your notes. We're going to re recap last week before we talk about forgiveness. True love is not an emotion that you feel. It's an act of your will. That's true. Because here's the thing. If I give my wife, Julie, a Cheddar Bay biscuit from Red Lobster, as that sweet, succulent morsel works its way through her body, she will begin to feel something. And that Cheddar Bay biscuit turns to glucose. She's going to look at me and she's going to say, I love you, babe. But that ain't love. That's carbs. True love is not a chemical reaction. And maybe the chemical reaction got you down the aisle, but it ain't going to get you down the decades. Because love is an act of the will. Write it down. People say, Pastor Mike, I'm so ready to get married. I'm in love. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got it out of order. Because you're going to wake up after your wedding day and she's going to have dragon breath. And you're going to be like, is that Indian food in a diaper? No, it's your wife's breath. And you ain't going to feel what you felt several hours earlier. It's got to be an act of the will. I'm preaching good already. <laughs> you don't, okay, here, here's a wisdom key for those of you who think I'm playing. And I will break open the Bible. Uh, but, but we're not there. We're recapping. You don't make love by making feelings. You make love by making choices. You choose to love. That's the only way I can explain to you that this book will ask you to love your enemies. You will never feel like loving them. It's a choice. Second thing we learn is that the point of a relationship, believe it or not, and you won't see this in Fifty Shades, you won't see this anywhere else, but the point of a relationship is not to meet your needs. And some of you are saying, but Pastor Mike, the Bible says it's not good for a man to burn and my loins are on fire. 
That's the word, pastor. That's scripture. Yeah, that's true. But here's the wisdom key from that. If you serve only yourself, ultimately you will be left with only yourself. So Julie and I, after we got over our funk and our mess and, 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 and got through to a healthy relationship, now the greatest argument of our marriage, you, know, you want to know what it is? Who can outserve each other? Because that's the true definition of marriage or of really any good relationship is two people entwined and the greatest argument of a relationship, who can outserve each other? And the last thing we learned, some of you are like, man, I got to listen to this one. Last thing we learned is this, God wants to refurbish your future. Forget about your failures and the things you messed up. Yes, you have some defects. My monitor on this laptop was broken. I brought it back to Apple and they told me, they said, you know, that defect didn't diminish the value. It's worth the work. Let's take this thing, send it back to Apple, and we'll send it back brand new. And so here's the thing, you know, maybe you're looking at yourself like you're junk because you messed up and because you haven't been successful in a relationship. Maybe there's divorces, plural. Maybe there's broken relationships. Maybe you're here as a result of failure, but you are worth the work. God can refurbish your future. You're worth the work. Matter of fact, when we were singing songs and worshiping earlier, the biggest voice of condemnation is the one that tells you you're worthless. You can't possibly come before the throne of God. But God's telling you, yes, you can. You're worth the work. I'll chase you down, break down every wall, and fight for you to prove to you that you are mine. Is there anyone here who can say, I know what that love is a little bit about? All right, so let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. You can flip there in your Bibles with me. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Okay, that's deep, God. That's deep. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Now, that's a Master Yoda way of saying that getting understanding will cost you everything. And on that premise, I know that there are very few people in this room who actually have understanding because we don't want to pay for nothing. You came here to drink our free Starbucks coffee. And you know, how do I know this? Because you won't even pay attention to build a relationship. You download an app called Tinder and you just look at the piece of meat on the other end of the screen and you swipe in a direction and say, let's hook up. I'll send you a pic. Another one below the waist. Can I just be real? We don't want to pay for anything, so I'm just going to work off the premise you don't have understanding because the Bible says to get it, it would cost you everything. So as somebody who's actually paid the price, can I preach to you today? I was a little arrogant, but I believe it. It costs me a lot to say the things that I'm about to say to you, and I'm telling you, it is just a joy to be able to give you two slaps and a hug this morning. We're, we're talking about forgiveness. And, and even though last week was so powerful, the reality is until you learn how to forgive, until you are free, you, you will not have access to good relationships. So, so this one today is just a necessary thing in your life. So write this down. We're going to deal with three lies that many of you believe and are prohibiting you from forgiving and getting free. And I believe on the other side of sending the heat-seeking missile, the power of the Holy Spirit into these lies and detonating them, you're going to be on that altar crying, getting rid of some junk before you get out of here. Anyone say, come on with it. 
Lie number one, and you've told yourself this. Now, if you're here and you're like, you don't understand, Pastor Mike, I'm so righteous that I floated out of my car and I actually floated into your service and I simply do not have anyone to forgive. There's God, Jesus, and then me right below him. I want to tell you, we have determined through the Holy Spirit, that's a lie. And if you will search your heart, because I'm the lead pastor, and I got wrecked, and I had to forgive. I stayed at the HQ late last night crying out to God saying, please don't let me go in there with this in my heart, because I've got a longer list than I thought I did, and maybe you do too. Okay? So the first lie is this. If I forgive, I must forget. You've told yourself this. This is your rationale for not forgiving. You said, if I forgive, I must forget. Therefore, I won't forgive. The truth is this. Forgiveness is how you unfollow the news feed of toxicity in your life. You can't forget, but you can unfollow. Okay, I'm going to teach some of you guys. and We're going to go full Mark Zuckerberg right now. I want you to think about a news feed for me, with me for a second. A news feed is this, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram, it's a subscription to someone's opinion. That's what a news feed is. It's a really bogus free subscription to somebody's opinion. And the more friends you have on social media, the more subscriptions you have. And imagine your inbox or your mailbox physically filling up with a slip of paper of everyone's opinion instead of it being digital, you would be overwhelmed by that. But somehow through the convenience of technology, we have this subscription to people's opinion and we wake up every single day and these keyboard warriors who don't have the guts to say it to my face, say it to my face, they say it behind a keyboard and a screen in their mom's basement, which is not that bad in New York because it's really hard to find housing. <laughs> Nobody from where I'm from got that one. We build our own homes in the Shire. <laughs> but you have this news feed that's people's opinions, and you wake up, and you know, people air all their stuff, and you accumulate all their garbage, and it bogs you down. And so much science has recently been released to show how bad it is for you that they changed the algorithm on Facebook so that we didn't revolt. But here's the thing, you have this magic button that the gods of Facebook have created called an unfollow button. And here's the thing about unfollowing, it's very simple. They don't die when you hit that button. Okay, that would be weird. They still exist, they're still real, but you have chosen to unfollow their voice. So when you forgive, you can't forget. I mean, that's just not a possibility. You can try to drink yourself to forgetfulness, but I'm telling you, those memories are pretty resilient. I tried that already. But you can unfollow their voices in your life. Anyone ready to unfollow? You know, I want to tell you a quick story. Julie and I, it's no mystery. We've been on the other side of a lot of junk, and I was a terrible husband, and, um, and, and you know, I didn't know how to be a husband to Julie. And, you know, I think Julie didn't know how to be a husband to somebody as broken as me. And some of you are maybe dealing with that in a dynamic of relationship. And so what happened was um, we, you know, we just went through a lot of stuff together and we went on a journey. And so we went through about a year and a half of weekly marriage counseling. That's pretty intense with, with a husband and wife combo that just took us on this journey. And sometimes it would take me up to three months of hearing three people tell me on repeat, Mike, you're wrong. And then three months later, I'd go, you know, I get this crazy revelation. 
I think I'm wrong on that issue, Jules. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> and so on the other side of that, we started counseling people and we started to pour our life into other people's lives. And it was months into that process when you think you're all healed and whole, where we're going down this bike trail. And for those of you who don't know, a bike trail is something in Indiana, they put pavement in the woods for us to just ride bikes, okay? That's how we entertain ourselves in Indiana. And so we're on this bike trail, we're riding our bikes, and then she, we come to a stop and we rest. And Julie said, you know, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you a secret. She said, every single time you did me wrong, every single time you crossed a boundary, every time you abused and, and hurt and wounded with your words, I actually wrote it down in a journal and I kept it because I wanted proof that you were crazy and I was not. <laughs> I mean, that was, and, and there was a lot of truth to that because sometimes when you're with someone who has abusive tendencies, they will try to convince you that you're the problem. And she just needed this evidence that like, no, Mike, because of what he's been through and the way he's wired wrong, he's done these things and I need proof. And it's funny because we were counseling other people's marriages, but we still had this thing because in Julie's heart, she wasn't willing to let go. And you know what she told me? She said, I want to go back home. I want to grab that notebook and I want to throw it away. I feel like I'm ready to throw it away. And you know, it was one of the most powerful moments in my life because I realized that I didn't deserve that item to be thrown away. There was a catalog event of everything I've done wrong and I, I didn't quite deserve it. So there was such a mercy that was being poured out as she did that thing. And you know, we have this tendency to live in a wound longer than it took to create it. You can spend more time living in the memory than it actually took to make the memory happen. And some of you in this place have had this broken record of these tragedies in your life happening. And you've actually now at this point in your life spent more time living in the memory than it took to make the wound. God wants you to walk free today. And I'm, I'm here to say it can happen, but you've got to unfollow the newsfeed of their voices in your life. That voice of bitterness that says he's never going to change. That voice of unforgiveness just begins to just put its, 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 its opinion out there every single week. And sometimes you got to say, no, I'm going to unfollow the toxicity. Let me read something, Titus 3.10. Some of you are going to fall in love with the Bible when you read this one with me. just flip with me to Titus 3.10. It says, warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. This is somebody who creates division. Warn them once, warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Somebody's like, I love the Bible. I should read it more often. <laughs> You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. That is the biblical unfollow button. That's God's way of saying you only got to warn somebody a couple of times. Maybe online you need to go and do a purge after service. Anyone? Lie number two is this. You could write this down. The lie that if I forgive, I condone. So you tell yourself, if I forgive this thing that was done against me, I condone it. The truth is this. You don't forgive because they deserve it. You forgive because you deserve to be free. That's the truth. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says this in the message translation. It says, it says, this resurrection life 
that you receive from God, and this is Jesus talking, it's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? And so to truly be a Christian means that you wake up in the morning not grieving the day, but you're adventurously expectant, saying, God, my heavenly Father, what's next? And if you can't wake up like that, it's because your expectations have been so destroyed. But I got news for you. The word resurrect means that it was dead and now it's alive. And God can resurrect your expectations. He's done it in my life. You know, unforgiveness, it's actually connected to empathy, connected to understanding. We can't understand oftentimes as human beings why someone fails differently than us. You know exactly why you messed up. You know exactly why you did that thing, but it's just so hard to fathom. Well, why would you mess up like that? That's a different flavor of sin than the one I do. I don't understand that. And some of us are holding unforgiveness against people who just simply failed in a different way than you. Can I say that again? Is somebody, some of you, I want you to let this sit. Let this sit. Some of you are holding unforgiveness against someone who has just simply failed differently than you. You know, on the surface, my biological father, he drank alcohol because he was wicked. He punched my mom in both of her eyes, giving her black eyes and she, he did that because he was wicked. He grabbed her by her hair and drug her down the hallway because he was wicked. But then as I got older, T.D. Jakes actually helped me understand that there's a difference between weakness and wickedness. And there's some people in your life that the root of it, even though the expression was wicked, the root of it was a weakness. And they didn't have that weakness addressed. And you know, for me, it's like I, I look at my father and as I got older, I started to understand, you know, the only thing he knew how to do was drink. He didn't know how to get into the presence of God and find his answer there. The only thing that he knew how to do was to raise his voice in anger or raise his fist. But if I could have taught him how to raise his hands and surrender to the king, he could have been a real man. And I'm here to tell some of you, you know how to raise your voice in anger. You know how to raise your fist to fight. But I'm going to teach you the real warfare is the one that happens in surrender. And when you learn that, then you truly become what God called you to be. And see, you're so mad at people for their wickedness. But if God could show you their weakness, you could become a minister instead of a victim. Man, somebody's going to get this. I'm preaching to somebody today. You don't have to carry this around. You know, arrogant people in your life, they've got a weakness. You know what it is? They were maybe raised in an environment where the only choice was to become arrogant because modesty wasn't valued and they would have never been listened to. But you can't go to the root because you're holding unforgiveness for the fruit that comes off the branch. Maybe hypercritical people in your life that you can't forgive are more critical of themselves than they are of you. Maybe they've got an impossible standard of perfection that actually makes them try to find everything wrong with you so they can even the score with how much they feel is wrong with them. But you can't see the weakness. You're only looking at the wickedness and God wants to reveal. Today there's freedom. Maybe the show-offs in your life that are like, I got to take a picture of my nice car, my, my Subaru with spinners on it now, and I got to show you who I am and what I've accomplished, and they're showing off their life, and it's created such a wedge of division between you because you can't find the forgiveness for the show-off, but maybe they were surrounded with people as they were growing up who were hard to please. 
and they've convinced themselves that my only identity is going to be found in showing off eternally for people who raise me who are hard to please God wants to set you free today from that to forgive now this is deep now follow me this is something you want to get to forgive is to understand the origins of evil not to condone it just because you understand it you forgive it doesn't mean you condone it you ready for number three can I keep preaching all right lie number three if I forgive I let them hurt me again like if I forgive them I'm letting them hurt me all over again the truth is this you allow them to hurt you every single day you don't forgive and you've heard it said so many times it's cliche but it's like unforgiveness. It's like when you say inside of yourself, by holding back my presence, by holding back my affection, by holding back relationship, by holding back co communication, I'm gonna make them suffer. And you drink this vial of unforgiveness, which is poisonous and toxic and deadly. And as it dribbles down, it goes all the way and you sit there and you patiently wait for them to die. And the only person you're hurting is you. That's what unforgiveness does. And I wanna tell you a story this story was like really impactful to me but there's basically two men and these two men were wandering in the desert and they were all alone and at a certain point they got into an argument and the one friend just hauls off and slaps the other friend well the other friend gets down on his knees the one who was slapped in, in offense he doesn't say anything back he just gets down on his knees and he writes really big in the sand today my best friend slapped me and all of a sudden they carry on and they continue through the desert well they finally find this desert oasis that's got water springs and it's got rocks and miry clay and all of a sudden they just start to frolic in there and they're just basking in all this water and hanging out well the the, the guy who gets slapped suddenly begins to sink down in the miry clay and he begins to drown and in that moment his friend grabs him and he pulls him out and when he grabs him and pulls him out, the guy, without saying anything, goes and begins to scrape and chisel into the rock. Today, my best friend saved my life. When he was all done, the guy asked me, he said, wait, wait a second, why when I slapped you in the face, you dropped down and wrote it in the sand? But then when I saved your life, you begin to carve it and etch it into the stone. And the friend looked at him, he said, because you should always write your offenses in sand so that the winds of forgiveness can erase them forever. But I never want to be the kind of person that forgets the goodness of a friend. And so if you're here this morning, it was so crazy because Kiel, last Wednesday started to get this prophetic song from God about the wind blowing not knowing that that story was in this message and I believe that some of you have thought in your heart that the unforgiveness was etched in stone but I'm here to tell you it was only written in the sands and if you'll let the wind of the Holy Spirit begin to move over the surface of your heart it will erase some offenses that nobody else could have erased God wants to do it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 says this, but for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Freeing them is freeing you. 
releasing them is releasing you and I wish so badly that I could go back in time because I started to get an understanding of how every single one of my father's actions was a result of debilitating fear it forced him into the dark side it forced him to do the things that that no human should have ever done to the point of murdering another man and if I could sit him in the seat and say dad you missed it you don't have to live like this there's a better way yes you watched your grandfather die of a genetic brain disease and you watched your dad die of it and now you may be facing the same thing we can't sometimes change the way that we die but we can change the way that we live and I wish I could have told him that that Jesus has got a higher way that Jesus could pull him out of that fear and give him courage but I can't go back in time because my dad's dead but what I can do is this when you look at Genesis chapter 30 and uh, chapter 50 verse 20 and you get this story that starts to be told about this man named Joseph Joseph on the other end of his life ended up being put second in command over all of Egypt and he literally worked for Pharaoh as a Hebrew boy who came up through the ranks from prison. And on the other side of that, his brothers, who in his childhood, it wasn't weakness, it was actually wickedness. Because I got to give you the other side of the coin. There are some people in your life, it's actually not weakness that did what they did to you. It was wickedness. But even in the wickedness, they splashed the blood on his coat and told the dad that he's been killed by animals and sold him off to slavery. And now on the other side, Joseph is now sitting on the largest pile of grain in a nation that's going through a hard time. And a famine and his brothers come before him and he's got the right to execute them he's got the right to tell them like it is he's got the right to tell them off he's got the right to throw them in prison and he uses that right to say these famous words you intended to harm me some of you need to know that people have intended to harm you but God intended see God's got some intentions for you too see the enemy maybe had his intentions your family had their intentions but God God's got intentions too. He intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many. I said the saving of many. And those brothers were freed as he released them. And some things have been done against some of you in this room, molestation, rape, some things have been done in this room. People have taken your money. They have taken your houses. They have taken as much as they could for you. But New York, I'm here to tell you that the most ultimate revenge isn't anything you can do to their physical body. It's them watching you go into your destiny and do God what God's called you to do. And as you go all the way, you said you took my house, but you didn't take my peace of mind. You took my money, but you didn't take my joy. You didn't take nothing from me that mattered. Because God gave it all back. Come on, somebody. Would you stand to your feet with me here? See, I didn't think that any good could come out of the story of my dad. When you Google my name, his, the search engine optimization is greater for what he did than what I've done in my life up to this point. And I'm like, God, how could any good come from that legacy? And then Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says, Oh, son, they intended it for your harm, but you're going to be standing in a New York movie theater one day, and people are going to be watching you online one day, and I'm going to take what they meant to destroy you and use you like a piece of meat and turn it around for the saving of anyone who will hear what you've got to say. Is anyone listening this morning? 
So here's what we're going to do right now. We're just going to make a moment. We've got the prayer team standing by, and they're going to be right here on this side of the room. If you're watching, God wants to deal with you right where you are. If you're listening, you don't have to be in this space to get free. God can meet you wherever you are. But God wants to set somebody free, and maybe you don't feel like you have the power to make this decision, but love is an act of the will, and your first act might be getting out of your seat, moving down to this aisle, and finding somebody to pray with. It might even be at your seat. That first thing that you do is align your will with real love, the love of your heavenly Father to say, I believe you're empowering me enough to forgive now. Some of you may be the best thing you can do after you get out of here is go sign up for a baptism and say, I'm ready to make a public declaration that behold, the old is gone and all things have become new and joined in that resurrected life that we talked about. Some of you need to get the passport and say, I'm tired of wandering around and being a spiritual orphan. I'm ready to put my roots down in the local church and be counted. Every army's got an enlistment. Every single team's got a roster. God needs you to sign up here at V1 Church and say, count me in on what you're doing to break this region loose for the gospel. But no matter what, I don't want anyone walking out here passive. I want you to make a decision. And I want you to say in your heart, I'm going to take one step right now to go deeper into freedom than where I was before. Can we do that? Okay, so just close your eyes in this place. In the spiritual realm, I hear the winds blowing right now. Do you hear it? I hear the winds of the Holy Spirit blowing right now. And those things that you thought were etched in stone, God said you're getting ready to unfollow the news feed of toxicity. The things that you thought were unforgivable, he said, as you forgive them, I release you and it's going to happen. So I'm going to pray this prayer, but with your eyes closed right now, before we, we do that, with no one looking around, if you're here and you're saying, I want to just ask forgiveness from God for myself first and foremost before we do anything else I want to get right with God I want to release some stuff today I heard what you said would you just raise your hand as a sign to take that first step come on you can put your hands down so many decisions in this room right now I want you to start thinking about their names I want you to start thinking about their faces I want you to start going there right now. Some of you, there may be people who are not even alive for you to have that conversation, but you don't need that conversation to get free. It's a monologue. It's you saying, I forgive you. I let you go. I release what you did so I can move on. And that's the only thing that needs to happen. And so right now, for those that just raised their hand and said, I want to make it right with God. I want to pray together. We're going to all join our voices together in unity and celebrate when it's over that they have come into a spiritual family and then we're going to allow God to finish what he started at the altar so can everyone just help me out and just pray this out Heavenly Father I release all unforgiveness I choose to forgive them right now empower me to forgive everything free me today release me today as I release them. And I thank you for your son Jesus washing me clean by the blood. And today I declare I am a child of God. Now shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Come on.
Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.